Hello, this is uh, Jared Leckby, Ethan Butler, and Xander Corkins uh, here on the Schools Out podcast. Ethan Butley being the host and me and Xander being co-hosts. So, would anyone want to start us off? Ah, well, I've, I've got a big topic, but I think I might save it for for middle, middle way through this um this episode. Jared, I'd just like to say, good job. You did not sound like somebody was holding you hostage. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I kind of don't have a gun this time. Uh... <laughs> I was holding myself hostage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, Jared, do you have a topic? Because right now I'm don't have one myself, which I'm trying to think of. Well, I mean, yes. Um, so my topic is uh, them Chiefs. Uh, we made it. To the- <laughs> <laughs> uh, we made it to the Super Bowl. Um, if you all don't know, Missouri, Missouri's football team is the Chiefs, and uh, they made it to the football uh, Super Bowl. For the second year in the row. Pretty oh yeah, nice. I, I have to say it, it is a, not really surprising, but it is nice to have like an NFL team to like call your own, because uh, like we live so close to the Arrowhead Stadium, which is where the Chiefs. Um, yeah, it's like an hour to play. Drive. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I think it might even be less. Like I think it's like forty-five minutes. Yeah. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. But um, yeah, it's just it's, it's nice to have a team. Although I will say this, I love the Chiefs, but Chiefs fans make it really hard to cheer for the Chiefs. Yeah, that that is very <laughs> true. <laughs> it's it's those people who go, those people who get out drunk and are just hipping a holler and throwing those flags, wearing flags, and say Chiefs and. <laughs> <laughs> honestly that's what a fan base is all about i hope that eventually we we can have fans of our own guys that will wear flags and throw things around being drunk chanting schools out podcast what do you say <laughs> yeah I mean, not in the future but maybe who knows just don't i think that break things <laughs> the goal of any sort of like large group is uh to to have a fan base of drunk flag wearing people so an angry mob yes yes (laughs) (laughs) get let's gather this um angry mob and have them support or hate us you know it doesn't matter Uh, (laughs) or both or both yeah i do have a small question yeah uh, when do you guys actually watch football? Sort of. Yes. I can uh, say that. Part, <laughs> on my part, I'm just going to say, uh, warning for everyone who does like football, I'm not a big fan of sports in general. So don't uh, try to kill me because of this statement. But I just don't like sports in general, like or at least watching them. That's not my like. That's not what I do. Oh, Xander. <laughs> Disgusting man. 
Thank you. Come on, let's crucify Xander. He doesn't like sports. No, no, I kind of, <laughs> I kind of get that. I, I mean, I wasn't too into sports until um, maybe last year. I started getting a little more into them, but I'm not the one to go out and the be part of that big mob, if you know what I mean. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not one of those people to get drunk and throw things, but. <laughs> on the right Monday. <laughs> yeah, no, I just I don't do that. Literally every time we go go over to my um family's house to like because we don't watch it here, we watch it with family. Uh, I usually just go into uh, one of the my cousin's rooms and then we literally play zombies the entire time. Yeah, that's fair. Not- you know, I personally, so. yeah, I, I honestly, I don't really watch too much sports. I find the NFL fairly boring just with all the like flags and such. College football is pretty fun to watch, uh, but I like I like watching rugby, uh, though I don't get to watch it often due to like the fact that like no channels here carry it. And then even if they do, I get like the off games of teams I could care less about. But I like I like um. Yeah, I like uh, watching rugby. Yeah. Um, my honest favorite part of the Super Bowl is the commercials. Oh yes. <laughs> oh yeah. Because <laughs> they have to be either the funniest thing out there, or some really darn good thing because it take it's a lot of money to get a commercial into a Super Bowl because. A lot of people are going to be watching it. Um, and I know so, in the past, yeah. there one of the commercials was about God of War. I want to say three, or something, or Ascension. I don't know, but one of the God of War um, games got a in, um, Super Bowl commercial in it. Yeah. Huh. I mean, people tackling each other, killing demons. Same field goal, right? <laughs> yeah. It, in the end, I think that if the world were to turn into a post-apocalyptic wasteland, I think the football players would be out there. They would be the top dogs. They'd be the people you'd have to try and like watch out for. Because, I mean, they've been basically training their whole lives to take a bunch of head trauma and hit you. Football would turn into the mob. <laughs> <laughs> It would be yeah. this gang of really buff dudes in the apocalypse, trans like them being in control of the entirety of the market that is somehow made. And so, yeah, because they'd be the ones that could survive and do that. Well, I'm I'm gonna ask a big question here, boys. Um. What would you do in the post-apocalyptic wasteland? Die. <laughs> <laughs> I could not survive. You kidding me? I get punched and I'm just dead. <laughs> oh yeah, I forgot, dude. Thanks for not sugarcoating it, Jared. You you told it how it is. You're like, yeah, I'm I'm screwed. <laughs> yeah. I would be so screwed. I'd be dead at the maximum within the month or maybe even half month. 
because I don't even know if I could survive that long. I would be dead in the maximum on the month. What does that mean? That means that in in less than a month, Jared would die in the post apocalypse. Um, so I think that I would spend my time trying to protect Jared. <laughs> nah, nah, save yourself. <laughs> no, Jared, we need to have the podcast in the post apocalyptic wasteland. <laughs> nah, it's, I'm not worth your time. You to go save yourself. It's fine. No, Jared. <laughs> Senator, you should you should join me in in protecting Jared in the post apocalyptic wasteland. I mean, I got some swords. I got some bow staffs. I can run over and lend you one real quick. Exactly. Xander's literally a six foot five ninja. What's up? <laughs> but knowing, <laughs> but um, the fun of it is knowing that I'm not going to survive within that. I'm not going to survive the month. I could do whatever I wanted. I could go out and punch a dude and just run. Yeah, until you like trip and scrape your knee, and then you're screwed. You see, that's where you just don't mess up. You know, it's fine. So this is what I'm just worry yourself not to mess up. So this is what I'm yeah, doing. That, you... that we need to need to start the apocalypse so we can prove you wrong, Jared. I don't know. I don't Jared, know. Like, longer than a month. If I live longer than a month, it'll be a second longer. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> yeah. I mean, I could go out to stores, raid those stores, all of their fireworks, and then um, go set them off the top of a building to let everybody know where I am and then run the heck out of there. <laughs> <laughs> what if somebody has the same idea as you? What if somebody is also um, setting off fireworks on like a building across from you? What do you do then? Do you have like a firework war? Yes, and it'll be the epic time, and we'll just be catching each other's <laughs> building on on fire until both of our buildings collapse. <laughs> Man, Jared, you make the apocalyptic wasteland sound like a fun time. It'd be real fun. No rules. No limits, no nothing. You just go out and have a good time, and then you know it just ends here in a week or two. Uh... <laughs> hmm. You know, I'm thinking I, if I were in the post-apocalypse, I'd probably make weapons. You know, because if you get good at making weapons, nobody's going to kill you because they want your weapons. Because they want you to repair and make new weapons. Um... So at First, I would be enslaved and forced to make good weapons, and at most, I'd be able to run a, a, a business empire supplying people with weaponry. Um, they would kill you and take your weapons and run. Because why would you go through the trouble of enslaving someone when you can just take what they already have and go? <laughs> yeah but but then let, let's say that weapon breaks you freaking you you basically killed the one person who knows how to fix it yeah people aren't thinking that far ahead when they're in the apocalypse yeah I'm, I'm they're thinking hey how can i survive the day yeah i'm, I'm agreeing with jared on this one they're, they're definitely going to be thinking either um how can i just survive one more day 
or they're just going to be the co complete and utter maniacs who are just don't actually think at all and go pew pew kill or kill kill. They're the people that just run around decapitating people for no reason. Sweet. I think that humanity <laughs> would still have that similar uh, like complex thinking. I don't think it's just going to be a bunch of savages going around killing people. I th well, it, it partially would, but yeah. I also think that there'd be people smart enough to yeah. understand the need for weapons makers. Also, if I'm making good weapons, I'd obviously use them too. So try and steal from me, I'll literally like disintegrate you. <laughs> and then there's the actual smart people who are trying to make common sense and actually deal with the problem at hand. And, <laughs> <laughs> and instead using of going to fix the world's problems, Ethan. Yeah, I'm making weapons. <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know and then those people die within seconds because you know mass murders uh, <laughs> what do you what do you plan to do in the post-apocalyptic wasteland xander uh, I think you honestly just summarized uh, summarized it for myself. Like I'm just gonna be the random uh, samurai ninja, just with the katana in the background, like trying my bitch. <laughs> Sanders gonna wander the lace wasteland, challenging people to duels and then cutting them down. <laughs> yeah. Hey, maybe you could hang out with me sometime for the <laughs> two weeks I'm alive. <laughs> for, the, for the two weeks. <laughs> Yeah, and about like halfway through the apocalypse, I found some random samurai armor and then just be fully decked out and be like, "Try me again. You think you can take me?" <laughs> hmm. Yeah, good times. <laughs> you know, the end of the world. How do you? How do you? How do you think the apocalypse are <laughs> start? Because personally, I think, um, personally, I think that I'll be. Uh, I think I think it'll start with nuclear bombs. You know, I like the fallout idea, the fallout approach to it. I would agree. Like, it's gonna be probably. It has to be something that like harms the world. It can't just be something that's just like really easy, like not easy, but not. It has to be something that has to like actually impact everyone. Because say if America were to decide, hey, we're just gonna have a complete and utter like. Money is worthless. Government doesn't exist anymore. Yeah, there'd be like anarchy and all that stuff. But at the same time, there would be groups of people that would then try to build their own type of government. I would kind of say it had to be something so devastating that like few survivors left in the world. And then it slowly just becomes where there there can't be one central like force. Yeah. yeah. I think that's the interesting thing about human nature is that even though a lot of people are like, hmm uh no government no no problem like i love anarchy i think that nobody really realizes that no matter what happens um no matter like if if uh, an entire society falls there will always be um a new society to form anarchy can't stay forever because think about it like even in anarchy you'll start to revert to like family groups and the strongest family survives Nature yeah. finds a way. 
Because <laughs> like even <laughs> quote Jurassic Park. <laughs> even if like you know there's like two people left on the earth, they will still. I mean, unless they're both guys, uh, <laughs> those, uh, Earth will still grow and become an economy and stuff. Yeah, and if they are just two guys, then they will be a very happy gay couple, <laughs> and the human race will die. Depending on the guy. Good point. I mean, they could be two guys that hate each other. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Two guys right. who just they're like they look at each other and then they shoot themselves in, in the head. Uh you son of a gun. <laughs> I'll kill you. Not if I kill myself. Not if I kill myself. <sighs> Alright, yeah. boys. I have I'm gonna bring up the big question. We just hit the twenty minute mark. I'm gonna hit I'm gonna hit you with the big boy question. The the, the fat question on everyone's mind. Who do you, do you think would win? Godzilla or King Kong? Oh, this- now before you fully answer, let me read through some of the stats. Uh Godzilla is Titanius Gajora. Its um height is three hundred in 93 feet tall according to uh the latest movie uh he stand his tail length is about 550 feet and Mm -hmm. in the latest movie it is 582 feet he weighs about 99,634 tons now Here's King Kong in the latest movie. Um, and I thought in the latest movie he stands at a hundred and four. No, this is this is that's like nineteen seventy three stats. All right, this is better. He still stands at a hundred and four feet and weighs a hundred and fifty three tons. Hmm. For clarification, this is because um, the movie, the new King Kong versus Godzilla movie is coming out. And in uh, our fifth hour in class, because me and Ethan share fifth hour, um, he brought this up with our group of friends and we kind of talked it out before. So that's why I kind of went earlier like this again. For clarification. Also, quick question. I'm not sure on this, but um, would king kong be affected by the radiation that uh godzilla gives out well here's the interesting thing is uh the the canon of this monster verse is that all of these titans these giant monsters give off a certain amount of radiation so including i don't think yeah including king kong so i don't think that he's going to um I don't think he's going to be as affected by the radiation, but he's not fireproof. And the movie proved that. He is not. Um, (laughs) uh, Yeah. I think, honestly, I think Godzilla, because King Kong, um, in this last movie, he was uh, pretty great. 
he w- he did pretty great against the enemies that he had, but he did get injured quite a bit by things that Godzilla basically could just step on, and uh, and Godzilla is more of a tactical fighter, and uh, King Kong is just a gorilla. Who goes? Oh my god! Gorillas are also (laughs) never mind, boys. Um, by the looks of it, with Godzilla and Kong, it looks like they're gonna team up at the end of this movie. And here's why: I'm looking at the uh, the IMDb and the fandom stuff, and uh, looks like Mecha Godzilla is making an appearance to fight both of them. It who's Mecha Godzilla. Mecha Godzilla is basically basically the idea is that some. So the idea is that um, there was like there's been multiple different Godzillas. Like there's not just one. And this Mecha Godzilla is basically the remains of one Godzilla that got killed. And basically, they just put a mech suit around it, and someone pilots it, and it's very overpowered. Huh. Dang. Wait. Dang. Yeah, it has a... Oh. D- like, um, I'm trying to remember the name of the ray. I don't know. It can open its chest and shoot out this, like, ice ray type thing. But it's not just freezes you. It freezes you to um, a certain point where you're in... Absolute zero. Absolute zero beam. Um, where it destroys every single molecule in your entire being. Or whatever it shot. Yeah, and Godzilla took that ray to the chest and then punched Mecha Godzilla in the face. <laughs> yeah. Um, that defies all rules of logic. Uh, <laughs> it's stopping actually... molecules. <laughs> well, and then you're like, hey, I'm, I'm just going to take that. And be fine. <laughs> Godzilla survived a bomb meant to destroy all the oxygen molecules in its blast radius. Barely. Like he that. Yeah, he was like, mm, time for a nap. Like, he, he's like, he barely made it. He was, his heart was fading. And, oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, he, he had to be uh, re- kind of revived with an insulin shot. Uh, adrenaline shot adrenaline shot of a nuclear warhead Uh, (laughs) yeah and so yeah yeah. stopping (laughs) molecules that's not possible but (laughs) you know when something's meant to kill and stop anything that is matter when everything is matter it's kind of impossible for it to not work now I do pose a new question who do you think would win Godzilla or um, Gypsy Danger from the Pacific Rim series okay and I'm just going to say this now Godzilla instantly because you got to realize, yes, as much as Pacific, I love Pacific Rim and I love Gypsy Danger, like the original one, that cannot stand up to um, nuclear breath. 
Sorry. And his armor's way thicker than steel. I'm definitely saying King, uh, Godzilla is going to win this. Win that one. I don't know, because Gypsy's in danger runs on a nuclear core and is lead-lined to make sure that radiation doesn't get out. But one puncture, so it but one puncture by Godzilla hitting him. Yeah, it's over. I don't. I don't think so, because I mean, we the... watched. Uh, go on, continue. Oh, I was just gonna say we watched Gypsy Danger get it, um, like berated, and it was able to still take on two separate kaiju. Well, okay, you also gotta realize, plot armor. As much as you think about it in real <laughs> life, there's no way Gypsy Danger should have survived. They were. Maybe so out of their element. Here's the thing. Um, even if they do survive the punches, the radiation will overload the armor and just, you know, make it not work and shut down. And so, yeah. Hmm. And as much, I don't even think um, Gypsy Danger could even puncture Godzilla's armor. Like, we've seen it take nukes, we've seen it take, like, more powerful hits, and it didn't break his armor. I don't think... Yeah, but those were explosives. Um, I think that... Uh, I mean, looking at other kaiju stats in, in the Pacific Rim universe, other kaiju have thicker skin than Zilla, like, some do, and Gypsy Danger. I mean, it took a few hits, but Gypsy Danger was, Danger was able to rip through them. Um, because I think his, his, I think its sword is in, imbued with like some plasma. That makes sense. It kind of helps it break armor. Um, I don't know. I would just have to say for Godzilla, because as much as I would love to say Gypsy Danger, I just thinking about it, like, um. Godzilla has very thick armor. He has a nuclear breath himself. So as long as he kept away far enough and Gypsy Danger really couldn't get close to him. Like, yeah, Gypsy Danger has his plasma hand or whatever where he shoots. But at the same time, like, that has to be, like, manually activated. And it takes a second for the arm to transform. While Godzilla, all he has to do is just breathe. Hmm. Yeah. You know, Pacific Rim's getting an anime. Is it actually? Yeah, Pacific Rim the Black. I'm looking this up. It follows the story of a young boy and his sister making their way across kaiju-riddled America. It is. Oh my gosh. Yeah, they already have uh, concept art. Why does the mech freaking look like it's uh, a different kind of striker unit? Like, does that not look like a striker? Uh, hang on, let me, let me, I don't have it pulled up specifically. Pacific Room the Black. Um, it either looks like it's a freaking uh, striker unit, just like more sleek than the other one, or it looks like the Gypsy Danger 2. Now just it looks like a mix of striker and gypsy danger. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's interesting. I'm wondering how two kids just managed to get a freaking Jaeger. That's going to be interesting. Yeah. Yes. Nothing's better than an anime. Um, and such. I think somebody knocked on my door. So, boys, go to your next uh, topics. I've got to check something out. I'll be back. Okay. All right. While Ethan's saying that, I guess I'll put out my topic. Um, okay. This is going to be a stereotypical Xander question. Um, as Ethan has put it in the first episode, I very much like D&D. What has been your favorite like plot twist in a D&D game? Oh, that's hard. Um, plot twist, plot point, like I, is anything what was I guess um story-wise what was your favorite moment? Oh. Um I liked it when um Oh, wait. Sorry, it's been a minute. Uh, <laughs> so whenever we had the campaign with Ethan, I think it was like the original swords. campaign. Oh, yeah, swords. Uh, toward... Oh, yeah, that's right. We We're one <laughs> session away from ending it. No, it's the not that one. It's the one before that, the Japanese, oh, the Japanese one. one. Yeah, the Japanese one. My favorite uh twist ending was that ending didn't it like oh you turned evil because you had the option to and then we were about to die and then his mom came out and is like hey no and i'm it's very unclear what happened right after that um Uh, if i'm if i'm gonna clear this up um i'm pretty sure what happened is that he stole this item from the temple that basically had the power of all the gods imbued in it or something. I don't remember it clearly. And then he just destroyed it and murdered every god, and then we were left. But yeah, I turned evil on everyone and murked one of the other players. So... Yeah. That's kind of a plot twist. My comrade became my enemy. What the... You've been here for, like, months. What the yep. heck? And then I just fucking punched Tiana, and then I... I think I fought you at one point, or you charged me, but the black remaining yeah. your guys' adversary then just was like, no, I'm not letting you fight him. To be honest, though, <laughs> uh, oh, wait, back now, uh, I think, no offense, Xander, but you would not have stood a match to the un- unrelenting power of, of Jared's character at that time. Uh, no, the only way that oh, I could yeah, because I was like survived, super okay. The only way I maybe would have survived is just because of the fact that if I had such a high dexterity modifier, I could have just dodged all of his attacks. But otherwise, yeah. yeah. Uh, so I could have been way eviler. Uh, you guys all forgot I had a, the banishment scroll. So if I had enough time and just stood invisible, I could have banished one of you, maybe. <laughs> maybe. Maybe. <laughs> Now that that's all depending on the one in twenty chance of making it. But yeah, okay. That's, I totally. I'm not gonna lie. I haven't thought about that one in a while. But that was awesome. That was a fun campaign just because it was. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm. Ethan, did you hear the question? 
I did not hear the okay, question. The question is, what was your favorite story moment in a D&D campaign? From a plot point to a, a twist, just favorite uh, story moment in D&D. All right. Huh. So, as some may know, I um I happen to have like never been able to actually play. I usually am just the DM. But when I have been able to play, some of my favorite moments um or what, what my my favorite moment of all time is when uh basically i threw a grenade up into the air and said here catch to a dude and i was like ayo because i was a star wars uh republic commando and let's just say that was the dumbest but greatest idea of my life (laughs) you and jared were right next to each other you chucked a grenade it didn't kill the man either you then had to turn around and shoot him again and then every joint in the vicinity was like, ah, yes, time to not shoot at you. And you only probably uh, didn't take damage because I was nice enough and put the boost there. <laughs> um, Look, I was pretty baller, all right? You didn't open the door. Yeah. Face. Um... <laughs> Okay, but there's also, like, I'm not just saying you can limit it to only when you play. Like, what was your favorite DM point? Like, when like your best story moment when you were a DM and you were either like, this didn't go as I planned, or this went perfectly, or, like, I didn't expect Or something. Just, like, out of the blue, what was just yeah. randomly, like, one of your favorite DM points? Oh, it, it, that would have to be um, Jared freeing the Hellhound from his tomb. Oh. And then... All of you guys spending so much time trying to save the one vampire and his wife from the yeah, hellhound. And then after oh, the yeah. Black Mask and, and he's like <laughs> Yeah. You guys are trying to save the wife. And Black Mask walks in and he goes, Oh hey guys, and shoots the wife in the face. <laughs> we basically murdered his And I say we thanks. We murdered his entire family. We killed the dad because he was on the ship taking us to this place and he got murked by a dragon. Or a turtle dragon. Um, then we l- released the guy, but we already could tell that guy was evil. Um, and so we realized at least we should try to protect the person who like can actually like is not that evil. And then you were just like, nope, <laughs> bang. Yep. Yep. <laughs> okay. Good time. Good time. I have, I have a few. Uh... um but um one of my favorite moments in swords was at the point i'm trying to think hold on Uh, i didn't think it back on all the swords moments we've had because there's a a couple good ones no no i remember one of my favorite ones that i we always did it was like the second session or the first one i or i'm gonna probably say second one we met a character named Volox. Like, we went through this... We were finding this, our, like, quest. Like, we were going for this quest. And it led us to this weird jungle at first, and then to this weird monastery in, like, Germany? Correct? Yep. Um, but we didn't know it's Germany. But this unknown land, but Ethan just told us it was a monastery in Germany. So, whenever we continue up, we found the monastery. We walked in. The entire... Like, we opened the main area to, like, find where the quest item was, and it was complete and utterly, like 
vacant, destroyed. None of us trusted it. We walk in, and Ethan sends us this mm. character named Volox. He's this, like, huge knight, um, like, very scary helmet, like, um, and he's just depressed. Like, extreme depressed. And so, our player, or one of the players, Kiana, Ethan's uh, girlfriend, decides, you know what, this man's depressed, time to make a friend. And oh, my. I hate that so much. I hate that so much. I hate that moment. <laughs> Volok was Volok was gonna be the coolest boss fight because he had this cool little chain mace, like he had his 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 warhammer, and then he could hit a button and swing it around. And it was on a chain, and he was gonna start beating the crap out of you guys. <sighs> Tiana went yo. She went, <laughs> she went no. She went bet, and it worked. Uh, Orthos, my character, backed her up a little bit with a song about the tales. Um, and then he goes, all right, we can... Or he's like, fine, I won't fight you. You can take the item. He gave Jared an extra life, gave Kiana an amulet that basically was like, hey, you can summon me um, once in a while. And then he didn't give me anything at first. I didn't get anything at first. I just gave him a ukulele, one of my like non-magical ukuleles. And then we went on. Later on, when we met Volox again, I then, or when he summoned, was summoned, I think the first time, I was like, hey, how's your uh, ukulele training going? I, was, I made a weapon. I was like, wait, what? And then I got Depresso Expresso 1.0. Um, yes. Yeah. <laughs> that was, it was a very fun moment. All right. One of the biggest enemies became our Literally. friend. First fight, first boss fight we were supposed to have, and Ethan goes, I hate all of you. <laughs> See, if my brother was the DM and that happened, he'd be like, nope, that 20 doesn't cut it. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. <laughs> you, you could do that if you want. <laughs> yeah, I, I've begun to do that just because, you know, I hate game-breaking stuff, but Every once in a while, I'd humor him. Plus, I thought of a great way to uh, have an emotional moment in which Volox dies. But, um, yeah. Um, okay. And then my other favorite moment is the one I was when I was DMing. Um, one of my favorite story points was basically the entire thing of, of how to start the story arc of two of my players. And basically, it included basically... Um, one was a half-elf, so it was a bastard child of the king, and one was the actual daughter of the king. Um, and they were step-sisters, step hey, or, yeah, or half-sisters, whatever. Um, but this entire thing, and they had a brother named Emu. And the way I started it off is they went back to their hometown, Solaire. They went back, and they split up, because I both of them got each of like a letter-type thing of like, hey, I'll go meet Emmeth, and then the bastard child was like, got a message that basically was from her mother saying, hey, I'm in trouble. So they split up. When I love that you refer to her as the bastard <laughs> child. <laughs> that, that's her one own quality. She's just the bastard yeah, child. The entire uh, freaking cast has firebolt as a spell. Uh... That was hilarious. Well, I don't. I don't have firebolt. <laughs> Yes, I have a spell called Fist. Oh, yes. um, 
can, it's a cantrip. Every point. Um, but I basically um had this entire like setup scene, um, with the like actual daughter of the king. She was walking to her brother's home where he lived to see if they could get his assistance. There was a execution block, which was never ever seen in Solar. Like it was banned. Um, so she got curious when they revealed who the executioner or the executed who was about to get executed uh, they instantly realized what I did and I was being real evil but it was a great plot point for the story to continue um, it was Emmeth her brother um, and it was so like I knew that they, she would try to do something and I made it fair like she had equal opportunity like she could have just literally firebolt the executioner and I would have been like okay um which yeah. is probably what she should have done. But she runs up on the stage and like th- uh, throws off this cloak she has and goes, hey, I'm the, do- uh, I'm the daughter of the king. Stop. The elf goes, okay. The orc goes, okay, at first. And then I have magic take him over and then decapitate Emmeth. Um, she tried to block it. Uh, the orc got a nat 20 on executing. So, yeah. <laughs> she's like i use protective magic and i went oh. or goes mm, smash and just rolls it at 20 so yeah i murdered their brother i brought him back though i brought him back he's not fully dead he's now a spirit and a sword so he's not fully dead they can go revive him at any point but he's dead yeah oh, we- you- I have well, you haven't been there when I've stated it, but to them, I have stated them multiple times that, that you guys can go revive Emmeth. You do need to find someone that has the wish spell, or just go find um, an item that can do it, or just some wizard who can give you a quest and be like, go talk to the god of death or something. Like, you just need to find something that will work. Oh well, dude, I'm excited to punch the god of death. I mean. You- Punch the cup, but we'll see that storyline. Um, I brought him back though, but this entirely kicked off my entire point, and it was it was honestly like when I like not listened back to it, but I was thinking about it. Like it was perfectly like it was like a good emotional scene when I was trying to go for it, and it hit real hard. So I was like, yes, that's the best when you're a DM when you get that emotional scene. It's like shift kiss. <laughs> I think my third and like little tinier point is basically the one time that the group basically this entire battle arc um got to there and they're about to be arrested at the end because there's a rule of no murdering and they murdered all of their opponents. Um Oh, that's yes. why we were <laughs> Jesse, Jesse, uh, it was a fake Jesty. Told you the rules and left out the murder part. Um and so you murdered all of your opponents, and they were like, what the hell is happening? All right, yeah, that's fair. I think we should have been arrested. Um, <laughs> but when, because I wasn't going to arrest them, it was just like a little plot point to like um, do it. I basically said, in the distance, you hear, ninja, vanish, in a uh, Shakespearean way. And smoke hit the glor- floor, covering them all. They all got tossed up into the air and teleported away. And when they were teleported to this uh, tavern, they suddenly realized it was Orthos in purple and pink ninja clothing. <sighs> yep. Yeah. And that's all for my plot point. I got nothing else unless you guys want to add one. 
No, I think um, a, a good one was probably the bear boss fight in the oh, Japanese D and D. That was a good one. Oh that yeah, one, that one was that one was up and you guys were like fighting him and then like that one uh samurai captain jumped and like tried to fight him and they fell through a wall and at first the samurai captain shows up and then it's the bear holding his neck and he just like picks him up and snaps his neck with his hand and all of you guys are like oh crap we really do be screwed though and then finally um there was a point in that uh where every time i would fail something it would ricochet and go off and hit the dead body (laughs) <laughs> uh, <laughs> point where he basically gets his back broken, but because Austin wasn't there, you took the one NPC that I actually cared about and just went death. And I went down. Honestly, not gonna lie, you could have saved her, but none of you guys were able to knock him uh, back enough before he literally just crushed her in a bear hug. Well, yeah, I just needed to roll high enough to just hit him, yeah. and I could paralyze him, but. There's that one point where he basically couldn't do anything for like a good five turns because I. Yeah, you basically stun locked him, and that was so upsetting. Was Everyone was just back, like hitting him so hard, and then the one time I don't miss, he just hits backhands me into a wall. <laughs> Dang. And then Jared, Jared. Yeah, the Japanese. Good. I might run another one. That was just epic, just to be like, what's up? Yes, um, that was pretty this nice. Time, if you're doing the same like characters, I'm definitely being uh the mag- the mystic people or whatever, because as much as I love Kiana, she's a great person, she did not understand how powerful she could have been. <laughs> Dude, she did not set him on fire at all. And she got like only mud spells. <laughs> I cast no, mud. Cast the heat like the um heat air or whatever. Like, that's all she ever casted. And I was like, Keanu, yeah, you can become so powerful. Yeah, honestly, she could have made Bear's armor very brittle and then snapped it. Uh, but yeah. Yeah, those are good moments. Do you think we should wrap? Yeah, I'd probably say it's a good moment. We've been doing this for uh, almost 50 minutes now. Yeah. All right, well, this has been the Schools Out podcast with uh, Jared, Xander, and myself, Ethan. Thank you for listening. Feel free to check out um, the other podcast that I'm running, Critical Insanity. It should be loads of D&D fun. If you enjoy listening to the listening to the stories that Xander, Jared, and I told of D&D, you'll love listening to the Critical Insanity podcast. Thank you for listening. Bye-bye.